Welcome back to another episode of Minds of Medicine. It's your host, Sonny. On today's new segment, we talk about what's changed since the last episode with us, discuss the Mifepristone ban and unban, talk about the public health emergency coming to an end and what that means for Medicaid recipients. And finally, we end on our thoughts on AI and medicine. Without further ado, run the intro. So, we have to start like we always start. So, Sunny, what are we drinking? We are drinking a homemade Paloma. Homemade Paloma. You can actually go to our Instagram right now and watch us make it. Delicious, man. Yeah. Cheers. I totally sniped you on that one. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so, Sunny, what do we have? What are we talking about today? Well, first, I think it's been such a long time since we had our previous episode. A lot has changed. Um, so I was wondering Absolutely. in the interval time, what's really changed for you? Yeah. So now for me, you know, I'm ramping up in the surgery world. I don't have to do general surgery ever again. <laughs> so what that means is no more appendectomies, no more colectomies, no more anything, gallbladders, nothing. Mm-hmm. So I'm now above the diaphragm only and ramping up to start my fellow year. So I've been going on a ton of lung transplant procurements and Uh, getting my hands involved in those things. So just to fill everyone in, um, from the get-go, you were an integrated cardiothoracic surgery resident. Right. What does that mean? Yeah, so essentially I matched directly into cardiothoracic surgery as soon as I left med school. And I don't have to apply for a fellowship. I say my fellowship years because my last two years Mm -hmm. um, align with the fellowship years for traditional fellows. And those are traditional fellows are the ones who did general surgery first mm. and then go into cardiac. Okay. So do you get boarded in both general surgery and cardiac? Nope. Just boarded in cardiothoracic. Okay. And your career, do you typically do both cardiac cardiac and thoracic or have you thought? Yeah. So no, that's a great question. So when, if I stay academics, Mm -hmm. I typically pick, Okay. the person will pick to do either cardiac or thoracic, but in the private practice world or the non-academic sector, it's definitely a possibility to be doing both, but you typically mm-hmm. will do, if you're doing both, you will do more cardiac and less thoracic. Rarely do you see someone do more thoracic and less cardiac, if that makes sense. Okay. All right. Well, we'll check in. We'll keep checking in to figure out where your mindset is. Let's do it. Where you're, where you're thinking about going. That's enough about me, man. What about you? What, what have you been having going on? So fourth year has started. Um, I'm going to be going IR or applying IR. Okay. My way set up. I do my home rotation, I do my way, and then I apply. We'll All right. see how it goes. All right, man. That's wonderful. <laughs> nervous? Yeah. <laughs> You're going to be great. I think nervous because last year we were looking at the numbers and, I mean, the number of applications that people send out right now are like in the 80s to 100. Oh, wow. So question for you, Sunny, real quick. Does everyone do an away rotation? No. So this is actually something that I'm learning more so now about. Um, to me, it always made sense to go, especially if there were places that I was interested in or places that I wanted to learn from, uh, to do in a way there to both showcase my skill set, but also learn a new practice and right. learn about the environment. I okay. mean, the residencies I'm looking at are six years and I want to know about the people that I'm going to be working with, the environment and um, the type of training that you're going to get. And it's hard to do that from a virtual interview. So not every specialty does or recommends, quote unquote, a ways, and not all students do a ways. Understood. Uh, okay. 
But for me, it made sense. And I think you, you did a ways, right? I did. I did. I did two a ways. Yeah. Yeah. And it helped you? It did. And you know, it's just what you said. It helped me as far as understanding a different system, a different process, but it also helped me uh, to understand cardiothoracic surgery and mm -hmm. what I'm getting myself into. Yeah. First story to talk about mifepristone, which okay. is medication used to terminate pregnancies. Yeah. 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 There was recently a ban from a federal judge in Texas that said the FDA approval process for the medication mifepristone and the mailing of it from some random act from 1873, they ruled it as unconstitutional and they actually banned it. So banned. they banned it. And that was supposed to take place across the country. But then my understanding is that the Supreme Court stepped in. Yeah. So, the you know, it's funny how they find these laws and acts from way back when that have nothing to do with the present time. However, you're right. The Supreme Court stepped in and put a pause on the ban until the appeals courts can take care of the things. Okay. So, so it's still being like battled out. It's just for yeah, now. It's exactly. Legal. Absolutely. And it's not like this medication is new. And this is transitioning a little more to what the current state is with COVID and the public health emergency crisis that's ending soon. Can yep. you tell us more about that? Yep. So the public health emergency is ending May 11th this year, May oh, 11th, okay. 2023. And what that means for people, especially with Medicaid, is that so all of those folks out there with Medicaid need to be reapplying now or else they will lose coverage come May 11th. So what happened during COVID was that the approval was just continuous. Correct. So every year you have to apply. I'm currently on Medicaid, so it scares me a little. <laughs> <laughs> um, so every year you used to have to reapply, but COVID prevented people from being kicked off, um, or the public health emergency prevented yeah. people from being kicked off. And that's coming to an end. It's coming to an end. Do and we... There hasn't been large-scale announcements of this, so if you haven't been to a doctor in a year or so, which some people haven't, you may not even know that your coverage is going to come to an end um, and you need to reapply. That's crazy. So many people are covered on Medicaid. Do we know like a rough number of like how many this could impact? Oh, 10 million at minimum. Oh 10 million minimum. And if you have trouble reapplying and you don't know the process, go to your local public health center mm -hmm. and they can help you and assist you with reapplying. Okay. That's a great resource because yeah. even when I applied for it, I mean, I'm in medicine and I was having trouble. It can be difficult. Yeah. Right. So. Um, so resources like that are incredible. Yeah. Uh, not a great segue into our last story, but I have to just transition anyway. Um, <laughs> ChatGPT is coming to Epic. And I wanted to just talk about AI in general, especially when it comes to healthcare. So Epic, for those of you that don't know, is a electronic medical record service that a vast majority of people use. I mean, what, yeah. there's Epic, Athena. Power chart. Power chart, um, whatever, the veterans yeah. of failures. <laughs> oh God, yeah. <laughs> um, and so Epic is kind of one of the more well-known ones. And we were talking about this a little AI integration into, into Epic and any potential electronic medical record, I think could actually be useful. Yeah, it what, definitely could be. What kind of integration could you see being used? in? So, you know, anymore? if it's integrated into Epic, Sunny, I foresee it assisting with differential diagnoses first. So, for instance, in Epic, we have vitals, mm -hmm. we have lab values, we have imaging, we have a lot of information and data to be able to diagnose a patient. 
So with that being said, I think especially in a critically ill patient, I believe that AI will be able to assimilate all that data and at least spit out some common diagnoses that that patient could have. And for us, sometimes, you know, as a doctor, we're thinking about the things that can, in a crisis, we're thinking about things that can be acutely Mm -hmm. wrong, but maybe there are some red herrings that actually might apply to this patient that AI can say, hey, think about this. Yeah. So kind of using the AI as a tool instead of it being kind of in a place where it replaces you. Right. I mean, although I think the new chat GPT did pass all the step exams. Of course it did with the access to all the internet. (laughs) Give me a, make an open book. (laughs) Yeah. Wouldn't have any question on passing, but do you ever see AI taking your job? Because I feel like that's kind of the, the fear right now. You know, as of now, robotics sucks. Yeah. And for it to do what we do, we would need really, really good robotics and an AI to do something like that. So I think we're very far away from that. I don't believe AI will replace us. Yeah, I agree. I think that, and this is one of the things I talked about in my first ever podcast episode was AI and cardiac imaging. Okay, okay. And the big takeaways is I know AI seems very impressive right now, and it is. Um, but the steps that it would require to get from where it is right now to an autonomous, self-thinking, self-functioning um, entity is pretty far off. Um, it, yeah, exactly. I mean, AI can clearly make Drake sing a Rihanna song. However, it, it can't replace a doctor. Dude, that song was fire. That <laughs> song was so good. I've been loving these AI it's, Drake Yeah, the, a- the AI songs have been... <laughs> Very interesting. and I love this. Honestly, the AI music, is, I, could, I could use more of that. Yeah. Um, but even going into radiology and, and interventional radiology, I don't ever see it taking jobs. I see it assisting, being like, hey, these, even if it's just a pop-up window yeah. or an assist, be like, hey, this type of lesion is similar to these lesions that we've Agreed. indexed. Agreed. Um, and I think that'll help the entire workflow. But I don't think that it'll ever be able to replace a radiologist, pathologist, or any type of physician, honestly. I don't either. And I do think it may help to reduce errors. Mm -hmm. Medical errors, it may help to reduce. There's a lot of difference in readings for pathology. And I'm sure there's difference in readings for radiology, too. Yep. So anything that can help uniform and help align readings to be more um, similar, especially when you're calling the same thing, I think would be really, really useful. It'd be awesome. Yeah. But that kind of ends our episode. Episode's done. Yeah. We're going to be launching season three. So we have a few guests lined up. And it's going to be really exciting. Hopefully more news episodes to come. But just want to thank you all for sticking with us. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll see you all soon. Be sure to follow us on social media. Links below. Cheers. Cheers. We hope you enjoyed that episode. If you did, let us know. We always appreciate all the shares on social media, so keep those coming. Until next time.